Welcome back, everybody, to episode eight of the Don't Tread On podcast. I am your host, uh, Torn Danowski, co-founder, CEO of Don't Tread On Philly. Also, uh, if you didn't hear last uh, last time out, I am running for mayor here in Philly. Um, we're, we've got a great campaign team. We're going to have a lot of fun. If you want to get involved, um, check out www.tdphilly.com or email us at info at tdphilly.com. The website's still a work in progress. We just got a placeholder up there right now. This is entirely grassroots, um, entirely uh, volunteer driven. So, you know, it's just going to take us a little bit of time to get up and running. But when we do, we are going to be the best and most organized campaign here in Philly. You can guarantee that. Um, I do have a special guest tonight, uh, Lieutenant. Uh, candidate for lieutenant governor uh, tim mcmaster i'll bring him up here in a second but real quick uh, a couple of the episodes coming up next monday i will be having eric gerhardt the uh, libertarian party candidate for u.s senate and then next thursday i will be having um candidate for state representative up in bucks county Brittany cosin so we're going to be having a lot of uh a lot of small time uh you know third party politics we're just trying to you know run grassroots campaigns here, get our message out. And, you know, you've heard me pitch about, uh, you've heard me bitch about the two parties over and over and over again. So I'm trying to do my part to sort of break that cycle and give you guys a new option, a third way. So without further ado, I will bring up our Lieutenant Governor candidate from the Libertarian Party, one Tim McMaster. How are you doing, buddy? I am doing great, Torn, man. It's great to be here, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I'm excited. Thanks for having um, me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you do for a living? Uh, how did uh, you get involved so in uh, libertarian politics? Yeah, okay. Um, so the day job, I'm an IT analyst for a major healthcare company who probably, given my politics, would rather not mention their name, so we, we won't. <laughs> um, in addition to that, I... Uh, I have a 16-acre goat and cattle farm that I run here with my lovely wife and uh, my two awesome teenage kids, uh, both boys, so good hard workers. So they learned. Hopefully they learned that from me, but I think they really probably learned it from mom. Um, outside of that, <laughs> in, in the party here, um, former vice chair of the York County affiliate of the LP, current secretary of that affiliate, also serving as the central vice chair of the LPPA um, on a bunch of other committees that I really I'd have to consult my spreadsheet to know which um, which ones I'm all on. Uh, oh, and I'm running for lieutenant governor. Oh, yeah. So running for lieutenant governor. Tell me, uh, how did you get involved in libertarian politics? So I got involved um, in libertarianism as a whole. In 1992, I was cutting class and going to the York Fair my senior year of high school. And believe it or not, there was actually a libertarian party um stand at, at the fair and one of the things that they were were promoting was legalization and decriminalization of marijuana and as a 17 18 year old high school kid i thought like yeah yeah make oh yeah legal. I'm in. <laughs> um so naturally you know being a dumb you know kid head full of head full of dreams to be a rock star and thinking like yeah legal pot would be awesome um so i I registered libertarian. Unfortunately, I didn't vote libertarian in 92. I actually voted for uh, Ross Perot. Don't hate me for that, but, you know, it is what it is. Like I said, I was young. Um, after that, I, I pretty much voted straight libertarian since, uh, at least in presidential elections, um, even if I had to write them in, if they weren't 
available mm-hmm. on the ballot in Pennsylvania, which happened a lot for a while. Um, so I did, and then I sort of got involved in in doing the things within the Libertarian Party, like of Pennsylvania specifically, really heavily, probably within the last five years, because um, I've been so focused on career and the farm and the family, and I was like, well, I'll I'll give money to the to the national party. I'll vote every four years if there's somebody there on the the off year, the bi- biennial elections, um, you know, like a governor or a senator or whatever. I'll vote for that. But that's that's really about as, as involved as I was until about five years ago. And I really I, I really started having to, to think like I have to look my kids in the eyes and explain to them how it got so bad. And what I did, <laughs> what I did to try and prevent that. So I kind of, I kind of approach every day with that mantra of like, I have to look my kids in the eyes every night and explain what I'm doing to try to make them freer tomorrow than they were today. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you're a, you're a goat farmer and I've heard that there's some, there's a little bit of controversy out near you about a County over. There um, is, there is with uh, Amos, Amos Miller and uh, Miller's organic farm. So they're, um, they're really being stepped on by the federal government and the Pennsylvania Department of Ag because they don't um, they they butcher their own meat on their farm there they raise uh, dairy cows as well so they make a lot of dairy products your your cheeses your your milks your ice creams your yogurts your kefirs um, but they don't pasteurize it they don't they, it's not going into the commercial market it's all sold via a buying club so everyone has to come to them and join their private club to, to get in on the, the meat or the chicken or the eggs or any of the dairy products. Um, and the federal government is saying like, no, no, you, you need to have this stuff all go through a federally inspected abattoir and their defense is it's not going into the commercial system. The people are coming in, they're buying essentially a share of a cow, half cow, quarter cow, whole cow, same with, you know, pig, they're buying whole chickens, what have you with the club. So they're getting that. And then the butchering of it is sort of, it's sort of an add on. Mm. To it, but the federal government and the Pennsylvania state government, Department of Ag, is saying basically they have to they have to send their stuff through um, an FDA or a USDA inspected abattoir, and those things are they're a nightmare to, to get one set up to get one built. You're looking at two to three hundred thousand dollars easily before you can make your first cut. Oh. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. They don't inspect the the meat or any of the product that comes through for wholesomeness or nutrient density or quality of course they, not they yeah they basically do look to see like how much fat does it have and is there poop on it <laughs> and, and my you know my thing is has always been like because i'm a i'm a goat farmer now we raised chickens here for years we did chickens on our on our farm you know we raised them from day old raised them their whole life and then we processed them here and we sold them whole to customers you had to you know contact us and say i want five chickens ten chickens two chickens whatever um, and it, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's clean, right? Like that's what the mm-hmm. USDA and the Pennsylvania department of ag, that's what they say. That's their big, you know, their big selling point. They're scared tactic for everybody. It's like, well, we want, just want food to be safe. It's like, well, does it matter if it's safe? Is it any safer if it has zero microbes, if it comes from a million dollar plant or if it comes from my kitchen, if, <laughs> if the goal is safe food and I can get the same quality out of my kitchen, why does it matter? that I, I haven't spent 300,000 hours to stainless steel everything, you know, yeah. or have an inspector on site to, to sit around and do nothing that I have to pay. 
Yeah, not to mention all the uh, commercial farms out there that get subsidies from the government that, you know, feed their livestock shit and yeah, gummy exactly. bears and all that shit that actually makes our our food terrible for us. And yet, yeah, like I'm you know, afraid to, I'm afraid to eat grocery store beef anymore because a few years ago they made it legal where that they could they could actually feed them what they call chicken litter. So what that is is like oh, it's like the feathers from chickens they grind it up and they mix it in with like some of the chicken meal um which is largely a lot of times bone you know chicken bones from the processing and then they form it into pellets and then they feed it to cows and then mm. they sell it to us yeah. and that's that's the usda they say that's safe but raw milk is dangerous yeah and uh you are what you eat uh and you are what really you are what you eat eats. Yeah, you absolutely are what you eat and you know it's garbage in garbage out yeah that's that's just absolutely it's yeah it's gross i mean i get all my meat from an online club that's basically all like clean grass-fed meat yeah, i spend you know a couple but, hundred bucks a month to get it delivered to my house and put it in my freezer and i know i'm eating decent food and i would be willing to bet if you ask them they would let you come and tour their facility i bet so too <laughs> because when we, were, when we were doing chickens and now that we have goats here like anybody that that's new that contacts me and says hey you know, I'm, I'm interested in, in what you have. I'm like, Hey, great. You want to come out and see the farm? You know, that's, that's my, that's how I inform my customers is I have nothing to hide. Come take a look at it. And then you make the informed decision. Yeah. And I heard they're, they're getting hit with like, they, they've been getting hit for months now. And I think they've racked up like $300,000 worth of fines. It's or actually something. been years. It's actually been years. You know, about yeah, six yeah, years course. ago is when the first case came out against them. <sighs> and they so threw, I'm you know, they threw all their, all their inventory away you know, like literally thousands of dollars of meat and milk. They they would put red dye in the milk so that he couldn't sell it. He couldn't do anything with it. The only thing he could do is, is throw it away. Yeah, like just... that, you know, with the, and especially with the prices of food now, like I would think that the government would be encouraging this sort of thing to take the stress off of the commercial food system. Yeah. Oh, and my I... camera's going nuts. Whoa. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> ah! Oh, okay. That's That's the government right there. Yep. Right, I'm going to try and switch cameras. Hang on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give uh, give Tim a second to try to get his camera switched. I think he's – yeah, here we go. Sweet. Yeah, it's he's uh, It's a slightly less quality camera, but uh, – It'll do. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not, not going to give anybody seizures. Yeah. Um, you know, that's – obviously, that hits home for you because you're both no, really a does. farmer really and does. a libertarian. Yeah, it really does. Um, you know, and I'm a father. I'm a father that likes to feed my kids healthy food. Yeah. You know, that's that's how I got into this this whole farming thing was when we started, you know, my wife and I started talking about whether we wanted to have kids or not. I was like, I, I want to know what we'd be feeding them. You know, so that that's important to me. And I, you know, my kids are 16 and 14 now. So, you know, it's not, it wasn't nearly as bad 16 years ago as it is now. You know, you you can find the information now. Not not on YouTube because they'll censor everything. But you know, you can find the information out there. If you look out, you know, look up folks like Joel Salatin or Michael Pollan, you know, they have books and videos and they've been in movies and documentaries espousing this kind of what we call regenerative farming. So it's basically what we use everything on this farm, the manure, the bedding that all gets spread back out into the into the pastures where we make hay that we feed to the animals in the winter, you know. Um when we, when we do butcher here, you know, it's, it's a fact of life. It's a working farm. Um, yeah. But 
the the awful like intestines blood that sort of thing that gets composted down and then that goes back out into the soil from more dense more nutrient dense soil which is going to make more nutrient dense grass which is going to make more nutrient dense animals and then the cycle repeats so we're actually building soil here which is not something that a lot of farms can brag about in the <laughs> chesapeake watershed you know we're actually creating soil here and it's not running off well, yeah, because that's, I mean, there, a lot of farms aren't, again, the industrial farms aren't incentivized to do that. They're subsidized and they just do whatever the hell they want to do. And the, right. the and government most of lets their, them do it. Most of their, uh, like the, the stuff that they put on the, their fields, whether it's uh, like a pesticide to kill off, you know, in, in bugs or invasive species, which we don't use any of. We use natural holistic controls. Ladybugs are phenomenal. Also, not having a bunch of manure laying around is a great uh, is a great way to stave that off. Um, but any <laughs> kind of the herbicides or anything that they that they spray down, or any of the um, even like the um, fertilizers. There, that's the word I was looking for. Sorry, um, any of that sort of thing. Like that's all petroleum based. Like yeah. everybody is losing their minds about you know like oh there's Russian oil and this and that and. The, you know, and going back to, to Amos Miller, like they don't use any gasoline or diesel on their farm at all. Everything that they have is human and horsepower, yeah. you know, and I think that's one of the big reasons the government's going after them because they are <laughs> completely opted out of the system. They are completely independent. If the power goes down there. What do they care? Yeah. You know, if, you know, if the government comes in and, and says like, oh, we're going to, you know, we're shutting this down, we're shutting that down. The grid goes down, whatever it is, that farm's going to keep on keep on keeping on, you know, the horses are going to be still eating grass. The cows are going to still be eating grass, you know, and, and there's nothing the government could do about it. So now they, they want to put the man in jail. And I'm quite frankly, if you'll, you'll pardon my bellicosity, like I'm pissed about it. Oh yeah. You know, I wrote a whole op-ed piece for my website just, and just got it up today. Like, cause I'm that agitated and that angry about it. Like it's that, it, it means that much to me. Like I'm actually considering going to Amos's farm and standing in the way of the government you know, maybe or maybe not with an AR-15. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> you know, like it's that's one of those things, you know, like food security and the ability of people to get the food that they want in their communities, local food. You know, that's that's the most basic thing. I mean, 60 years ago, 80 percent of the food that you consumed, you grew on your property. Yeah, You know, most folks do. Now it's it's barely, you know, 1% is growing all the food for everybody. And it's obscene. You know, you, you have folks like Bill Gates, who is the, the largest landowner, I believe now in America. And he considers himself a farmer because he owns all these farms. <laughs> and I'm like, if Bill Gates is a farmer, like I'm mother freaking Teresa over here, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's absurd. It's, it's absurd. It's upsetting. And it's obscene. Yeah, I mean, it's just nuts because you have, I mean, especially being in Philly, I mean, I have a lot of sort of left communist politics here in Philly. And, you know, they're complaining about free market capitalism and taking advantage, destroying the environment. And here you are, an independent farmer. You are you have a job. You're self-sustainable. You 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 run a clean, sustainable farm as a free market capitalist. And yet yeah. because because people like you or people like Amos Miller won't uh, won't follow the regulations and use the, the damn fertilizer that the government wants them to use, you know, you guys get shut down. Yeah, it's and it's it's ridiculous. I mean, fertilizers, as we know it now, are basically they're a product of war. 
the fertilizers that they that we have now that are based in petroleum are leftovers because they needed something to something to do with all the excess nitrogen, potassium, and phosphate that they created for bombs during World War II. <laughs> you know, so think, think about that. You you go to Lowe's or your Home Depot or whatever, and you buy a bag of 10-10-10 fertilizer. It's essentially leftover bomb shit. Oh God! Pardon, pardon my French. <laughs> no, your French is welcome when it comes to talking about the government and the bullshit they're doing. <laughs> yeah, I you know I try to keep it PG because my kids are going to watch this. I'm like, Dad, why did you say that? And I'm like, Well, because I was pissed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, at some point they got to realize, hey, I mean, you've built a heck of a uh, you've built a heck of a life for them on the farm, working hard. At some point, they're going to run into the bullshit themselves too. So yeah, and they and they know it. They see it. Um, you know, the thing that I that I tell people all the time is as um, I actually got a call from my youngest school one time because they did not approve of the joke that he told for uh, for I forget what it was. It was like he get to know you or something like one of the first days of school a couple of years ago. His joke was, what are the nine scariest words in the English language? And his teacher's like, what? He's like, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, she called me with that. And I'm like, what? what's not to like about that that is yeah. that is a perfectly accurate joke i mean it's certainly not blue you know it's, it's not like he's running around telling the aristocrats or anything <laughs> cool so i've got i've got two questions here to kind of start off and you know shift the focus but also i want to let let everybody watching know uh please drop questions in the comments and i will uh go ahead and ask them yeah bring uh, the heat don't uh, don't shy away you know yeah hard stuff that's why i'm here Bring the heat. Um, so two questions that I have. One, um, just basically, I've got one and then a follow-up. So what is the responsibility of a lieutenant governor, according to the state of Pennsylvania? And, you know, what are you going to bring to the table? What What about your farming experience is going to help you with that? So there's there's really only three to four things that the lieutenant governor is, is actually tasked with doing. The first is that they're the president of the state senate. So they're basically the guy that bangs the, or gal, you know, whatever, that bangs yep. the gavel, brings everybody to order, you know, calls the bill, recognizes people. Um, so that having a libertarian in there, somebody that doesn't play favorites and doesn't really like either the Democrats or the Republicans, uh, you know, I think that that's definitely a bonus. Um, but it's also somebody that knows, you know, kind of Robert's Rules of Order, which I have been studying to be a parliamentarian too. Forgot to mention that in the beginning, but so that's. You know, so that's sort of it's 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 the same, but it's kind of different. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing that they do is they're the um, they're the chair of the pardon board, and restoring felons' rights is something that I'm I'm a huge supporter of. Mm -hmm. um, once you've paid your debt to society, like there's absolutely no reason you shouldn't be able to vote or own a gun or you know do anything that any other free citizen can do. Um, if you get out and your sentence is done. And they say, like, well, your sentence is done, but you still can't own a gun. It's like, well, then you're still being forced in a, a cruel and unusual punishment. You know, so you're either a danger to society or you're not. So I'm for, you know, for absolute complete restoration of felons rights. Um, and being on the pardon board would give me a lot more flexibility to actually pardon people. Like somebody comes through like, yeah, he's, he was busted for weed. Pardon. Scratch, you know, just just, just strike it from his record. He's, he's totally good now. Um, the other thing that they're it's supposed to do is they're supposed to basically be the uh, sort of the bulldog, the the messenger that goes out and gives speeches 
on behalf of the administration. And I think that's <laughs> that's really where, you know, that's really where I think my strong suit would be is going out and getting in front of people and talking to them and proclaiming the glory of libertarianism. You know, that that we're we just want to we want to take over the world and just leave people the hell alone. You know, we want government is is best that governs least. You know, so that's those are the big things that the lieutenant governor is actually responsible for. Um, it's really a part-time job at best, if I'm being quite honest. Um, I mean, they put them up in the, in the, uh, what they call the state house on uh, Fort Indian town gap on the base there. Um, and he paid close to a million dollars a year, just an upkeep on the place. You know, like <laughs> I would push, I would push to sell that thing or turn it into like, um, you know, like a retreat for like inner city youths or something, put like some gardens on it, teach them how to grow food, teach them how to like, raise an animal or something, you know, do something that's going to actually benefit somebody instead of it just saying like, well, here's this giant building that the Lieutenant governor could live in. You know, I, I wouldn't even want to live in a damn thing. Like I wouldn't want to be that far away from my goats, quite honestly, <laughs> or my kids or my wife, even, although she'd probably like to see me like go there some days. <laughs> <laughs> or she'd probably like to use it herself. Huh? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I could say, I mean, I, maybe like if I get, if I get elected, maybe I can just be like, honey, why don't you just go there? Like I'll be working this week. I'll take care of the kids. <laughs> you know, a a spa day. <laughs> score you some major points there. <laughs> yeah. It'd be, it would be great. It would be great for her, but it would really be a misappropriation of funds. <laughs> so can't, uh, can't preach it and then not live it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be any worse than what our current people in Harrisburg are doing. So yeah, but I don't want to, I don't want to be just as bad as them. Like I, I think we need to be better. We need to hold ourselves oh, yeah. to a higher standard than they do because we're listen. our ideology is the best. At least we believe it to be. So we need to live it so that we can prove it. Yeah. So the, the Lieutenant governor is, uh, it's not quite like the, uh, president and vice president race. The Lieutenant governor is elected separate, correct? Unfortunately, no, I actually was mistaken. Nope. I thought it was that, um, they were separate line items on the ballot, but I'm doing some more research in the, uh, with the department of state. Like I found out like, oh yeah, they do, they do put them together, which is kind of, kind of a bummer. But at the same time, it's like me and Matt are usually pretty much spot on with our messaging. So it's not, you know, it's not like anybody's going to say like, well, I'd like to vote for Matt, but that Tim guy sucks. You know, like we're kind of, <laughs> we're kind of on board. We're kind of a package deal here. Yeah. Oh, well, I was, I was thinking about that in terms of like being kind of the spokesperson. It would be great to see, uh, you know, if, you know, God forbid that we end up with Josh Shapiro or Doug Mastriano oh. in, the, in the governor's mansion, you oh. as a uh, Lieutenant governor up there uh, being the spokesperson pushing back on all of their bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely, I definitely would be. <laughs> I mean, I listen, I'm, I'm only 20 minutes south of Harrisburg on the farm here, so it's entirely possible I could win, lose, or draw. I could be going up there anyway with my megaphone and my big mouth and letting them know what's up. Yeah, so what's, uh, what are some of your key uh, uh, campaign points in this? Uh... So for my campaign, the one thing that I really want to focus on, like I, apart from what we, we had already touched on, um, I'd like to eliminate the property tax, the state property tax. Like there's absolutely no reason why it needs to be where after you've paid for your home, you're still renting your property from the government. Like that is absolutely absurd. Now I, I understand like with me, like I have a farm here, like I have a business here, like, okay, yeah, I should probably pay taxes on that revenue, but I shouldn't like, I shouldn't have to, like my property shouldn't be taxed. Like it doesn't do anything. 
you know, and they keep assessing it higher and higher every year. And not one more drop of rain falls, not one more ray of sunshine falls on it. Any more productivity we have on this farm is the result of my labor. So why? Because I'm improving this, the government gets more money, you know, and I, and I definitely not the only one that does that. Like I am by far not the exception here. You know, there are so many Pennsylvanians who are in this same boat where they're trying so hard to make their property the best they can absolutely be because they want it to be or for whatever reason they may have. And every little improvement that they make, the government takes, 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 takes. And it's absurd. So eliminating property taxes, I think one of the biggest ways, because everybody's going to push back on that or the, the folks that do push back on that always say like, well, there's so much funding for schools that comes through property tax. And I'm like, you're right. We well, need to schools. cut school spending. Yeah. Yeah. We need to cut the school spending. Like it, we were, what, two years we were on lockdown and COVID and there were some kids who really were bad, really had a hard time with the online schooling, but there were other kids that were phenomenal at it. So what that shows us is that there are kids who learn differently not everybody learns the exact same way. So we need to free up parents to make that choice, whether it's a cyber school, a charter school, homeschool, uh, private school, brick and mortar, you know, local uh, public school. Give the parents the options for that. Throw some competition into that. Um, and you're going to see the costs come way down and the quality go way up. And I think the first kind of belt tightening maneuver is, and I think Matt's, pushing this as as well is turning the legislature into a part-time legislature yeah because right now the lowest paid senator in harrisburg makes ninety four thousand dollars and change ninety four thousand dollars the lowest paid guy like that what, what is the average salary in pennsylvania it's not ninety three thousand dollars i can tell you that and yes. the the average employee in in pennsylvania works a hell of a lot more than those criminals in Harrisburg do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they barely work Mondays. They almost never work Fridays. They get a week before and a week after just about every major holiday. They get summer breaks, winter breaks. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're part-time already. So just pull the trigger and make it, you know, a, a full part-time legislature with part-time pay and make these clowns go out and live under the very same rules that they're passing for the rest of us. And you'll you'll start to see some major changes. You'll, you'll see a lot less career politicians and a lot more jackasses like me that just want to get in, make a couple of changes to, to make the system better, hopefully inspire somebody else to come along with better ideas and more energy, you know, and then I'm going to get out of it and get back to my farm and somebody else can take over for a while and, you know, make it, make it better. Or maybe they make it worse. I don't know. We got to You got to give people a chance. Um <laughs> But if it's only a part-time legislature, there's only half as much of a chance that they're really going to screw something up. So, eh. yeah, no, we we definitely so, need. There's more. a lot of states. There's a lot of states in the union right now that have part-time legislatures. I think at last count, I think it was either eight or twelve. You know, and they're doing just fine. One of which is Texas. And if you know anything about Texas's economy, it's freaking booming. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with their legislature. Because Texas has actual, you know, economy, much lower taxes, um, lower taxes. It has, you know, they're actually using their resources a little better. Um, basically, they have their own power grid. I mean, really, Texas could if, if the nation shut off its power, Texas would be just fine. 
Yeah. Yeah, we definitely need uh, we definitely need more jackasses like the two of us around to, to yeah, screw right. things up for a little bit and then let somebody else take the fall for it. Because, I mean, that's all that I mean, even oh, no, the career. Post- well, if I screw something up, like I'm perfectly well. And if I, you know, you elect me and I get in oh, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. screw something up, like absolutely. Like hold me accountable to it. You know, throw me down the damn steps or something. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. I used to be a wrestler. I can take a bump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um it's so interesting because uh, I think Tom Wolf just the other day he tweeted out something about, you know, he's made the biggest uh, he's spent the most on education out of any governor in the history of Pennsylvania. It's like, dude, what what return did you get on your investment? It's not a you got nothing. Not flex. He thinks it is. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it, and then you've got the school choice crowd and, and you know, I'm affectionately calling it uh, universal access to education because it actually gives the students the choice of where to spend the money. But you've got the biggest argument against that is, well, it's going to defund the public schools. Like, well, that's not the argument you think it is either, because yeah, well, that, that, why that, would it defund the public my, schools? You're making my <laughs> point. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, so you uh, you mentioned something. You were a pro wrestler. I was. Yeah. Not a very good one or I might still be doing it, but better to be a has been than it ever was, I guess. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, you would be better in uh, Pennsylvania politics. I mean, although Jesse Ventura was a little bit of a firecracker, he was he was an interesting guy. Hey, listen, Torrin, let me tell you something right now, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, you know, when Jesse when Jesse was was mayor, and then when he was governor, like I really like I really dug a lot of what he did. Like he, yeah, quite frankly, he he pissed off the right people. You know, like that's that's always a good thing when you can piss off the left and the right but the people were behind you, like, then, you know, you're doing something right. Yeah. You know, and Jesse really did. And he, you know, he was like me one term, did some stuff, got out. Yeah. I grew up a, I grew up a big Minnesota Vikings <laughs> fan. And, uh, one thing that, that, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not a great life. Uh, but, uh, one thing that he really pissed me off about, you know, was that he would never give the Vikings money for a stadium. But then now looking back on it, when my politics have changed, like, dude, yeah. that was the move. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was a, he was ahead of his time with a lot of stuff too. Like he was, you know, now I'm not really a union guy, but there are some industries where it is. It's helpful. It's helpful yeah. to have unions. You know, I don't think I, I definitely am not a fan of public sector unions, like police unions or teachers unions, like, you're joining a union, but you have no other alternative. You're either a teacher and you're in the union or you're not a teacher. Yeah. Um, but I, Jesse tried to start a pro wrestlers union, which would have <laughs> been fantastic because at the time there were a lot of pro wrestling companies around, you know, there was the smaller indies, there was a smaller regionals, you know, it wasn't just the big dog with Vince McMahon. Um, and that caused a lot of strife because some people were like, Oh, that's ridiculous. It's, you know, it's crazy. Like, why would you ever do that? And we're seeing now with like all the stuff that we know now about CTE um, and like it, just the injuries that these guys have had over the years and and so many early deaths. And there's so much problem with, you know, like addiction for the pain meds that they get on because, you know, you don't work, you don't get paid. Um, having a union really would have taken care of a lot of these guys. It would have allowed them to negotiate like some kind of health insurance, some kind of retirement. You know, and that's that that would that was a big thing to me. That was, you know, but I was a wrestling fan, so obviously I knew about it. I'm still I'm still not a fan, huge fan of unions, but they do have a time and place. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any libertarian should at the end of the day have an issue with the concept of the union. It's just the issue of when whether it's voluntary or not. I right. mean, it's it's great that 
it's great that, you know, the NFL, the MLB, you know, sports have players unions, I, but players opt out of them. Like they'll yeah. say, no, I don't want to be a part of it. And that's, that's the way to go. I mean, teachers, I, I, I do know and have met some people that are fighting the teachers unions here in the city and have gotten teachers out of the union and are still employed by the public schools. I have a lot of respect for those people. Yeah, that is, that is a fantastic thing. Like my, uh, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, God rest their souls. Um, they were both educators here in York and they hated the union, but they had no choice. You know, they had to be in the union because it's, it was either that or they didn't teach. Yeah. You know, so they were, they were definitely anti-union, even though they were in the union, but they were in the union because like you said, they didn't have a choice. Yeah. Um, kind of moving on. What, what are some other, of other of your big uh, campaign points? So I really, um, I really want to stress how much I want to decriminalize the uh, so-called sins in our society. Like, I think um, one thing where I, I do actually agree with Fetterman is he wants to decrim all drugs. And I'm like, yeah, I'm for that. Um, I want to decriminalize sex work because I think that's <laughs> not to equate sex work with pro wrestling. But I mean, a union would really help sex workers as well. Um, it would give them, well, hear me out. Yeah, would, no, 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 I'm, I'm them, not laughing out of, uh, it would give them protection. Um, if they're ever abused, you know, cause it is a dangerous line of work. We all, I think we can all admit that, um, it could give them some kind of healthcare benefits. Um, cause it's not, it's not a, uh, a lifetime career, I guess we'll say. I mean, there's probably some that do, but the, you know, you have a window of your, your highest earning years in there. Um, it, it would give them some, you know, just protections like, that if they're abused, they could actually go to the police. They could actually go through the legal system to get redress of the crimes that were committed against them, their rights being violated. You know, so and the first step to that is to decriminalize it, um, because honestly, what you do with your body, like that, is the most libertarian principle is bodily autonomy. You know, yeah. what I put into my body, who I put into my body, you know what my body goes into as long as everything's um consensual why why should the government have a say in any of that so what here's here's i guess the only pushback is um you know i i mean i typically have slightly more traditional values but i tend to uh, agree that i want i want the government out of you know consensual business of any kind uh, but what do you what do you say about people who are rightfully concerned about like Kensington and Philly, where it's just needles everywhere and, you know, the prostitutes are strung out themselves? And yeah, what, what do you say to that? Though? So a lot of a lot of that is caused by the fact that there's there's a prohibition on it um, because it's so heavily legislated. You know, you can't go to a place and just, you know, like in your own home and just and, and shoot up and just watch TV. Like you have to go out into these dangerous areas or places that aren't terribly, we'll say terribly well lit is probably a good, uh, a good descriptor um, to go out and procure <laughs> these things. Um, there's no kind of quality control over them. There's no, there's no redress. If you get, if you get a bad dose, like you're, you're boned, so to speak, um, you know, and, and as far as, um, as far as the prostitutes, I think, if you decriminalize it, then that puts them in a position where they're more in control of their own working environment. So they don't have to maybe go to the pimp that's going to beat them or that's going to keep them strung out on whatever substance, whether they want it or not, just to keep them working so that he keeps getting his cut. You know, it basically makes them independent business owners. 
Um, and once, once you're working for yourself, you tend to have a little bit more pride in your work, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, and, and obviously there's going to be, there's going to be situations where there's going to be bad actors and there's going to be bad eggs. Um, but if you decriminalize it now, there's a way to kind of self-police that. Like if there's three prostitutes and they see a fourth one who's, you know, doing all these horrible things, she's ripping guys off this, that they could report her. Like they legally could report her and say like, Hey, she is violating this guy, these guys' rights. We see it because we're, you know, we're in the same business. We see what's going on, you know? So it, it frees up. It takes the, as the liberals like to say, it brings them out of the shadows, so to speak, you know, and it, it kind of, I don't want to say that it normalizes it, but it, it normalizes your right to do things, you know, like I personally, like I already go to, go to all the, uh, the prostitutes and do all the heroin that I want now. I just don't want to do it. You know, like making it legal is not going to change that for me. Yeah. You know, I've been I've been to Vegas and I've been to, to Reno, like where it's at least the prostitution is legal. And I didn't want to do it then. You know, yeah, it's just not it's not my thing. If it's yeah. your thing or if it's somebody else's thing, like I I, I don't care. Like yeah. I just want the government not to tell you that you can't do that thing. Yeah. It's not gonna suddenly make you know those of us who are trying to live you know, relatively clean lives want to go out and shoot up. And yeah, I mean, to your point, I mean, I think, I think there are things, yeah, I don't, do you ever really want to normalize sex work? Do you ever really want to normalize addiction to drugs? No, you don't, but there's a difference between treating somebody humanely and treating some, somebody with respect and dignity and treating them like garbage because they make choices that, you know, probably aren't the best for themselves, but they're doing what they have to do to survive. Right. And it, you know what? And maybe it's the best for them at that moment. You know, maybe, maybe they, they are, maybe, you know, the, the random girl is, or guy is, you know, they're, they're hooking on the weekends because they're trying to save money for a house or a new car or, you know, some more credits for a college degree. You know, who is the government to say, Oh, we want you to do all these things, own a house and go to college and get the good job but we're going to tell you exactly how you have to earn the money to do that. Like I just, it's immoral to me for the government to say that what someone chooses to do with their life and with their body with another consenting person, it's, it, it offends me that the government thinks they have any say in that, whether it's buying raw milk, visiting a prostitute, you know, buying an eight ball of Coke, you know, I just, I, the government being involved in that is, is where I have the problem. Uh, yeah, I would also like to see drug addiction not treated like a criminal problem and treated like the actual medical condition that it is. Yeah, um, you decriminalize that opens that up as well. So, yeah, and it's like a lot of people they're they're driven to these places out of desperation, and yeah, there are a handful of people that you know do it just out of fun. They enjoy it. That's what they want to do. There's and not those, many. You know, yeah, like, and there's a lot of people that will drink themselves, yeah. you know, to death. And that's perfectly legal. Yeah, but they'll, they'll smoke three packs of cigarettes a day, and that's perfectly legal. The disgusting thing is, is that a lot of these people they're they're driven to that desperation because of shitty government policy to begin with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, yeah. It's keeps the prison industrial complex going. Yeah, it's the Hegelian dialectic. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else? I, I, there's a. Uh, I, I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't ask you about uh, something called Defend the Guard. 
Yes, Defend the Guard, another passion project I have. So what that is, is that is legislation. You'll actually hear me speaking positively about legislation, about the government doing something. <laughs> but this this is particularly good. Um, what it would do is it would restrict the National Guard of Pennsylvania or any other state where this legislation is passed. It would restrict the National Guard units in that state from being sent overseas to war without a constitutionally declared war being declared. So there's these international incidents or whatever they're called, overseas contingency operations now um, through the NDAA, NDAA and the authorization to use of force. Um, all these things, when they send the National Guard there, that is essentially unconstitutional. And it's pulling the National Guard, it's pulling these resources that are paid for by the states. It's pulling them out of the states from where they need them for what they're actually there for. Um, defend actually defending the state if there's you know like a, a prison riot or anything like that which thankfully we haven't had in a while but they also you know like natural disasters accident cleanups you know things of that nature they're not here to do that and they're away from their families they're away from their friends and they're overseas fighting for somebody else's oil instead of being in their home states so defend the guard is legislation that you will actually hear me talk about quite a lot I love it. I love working with BJ and everybody else with the new organization. Um, I'm so thankful that they endorsed me and they support me as well. Um, so anything that I can do to keep the National Guard in the state of Pennsylvania or any state where this legislation is being proposed, I'm down for. Yeah. I mean, war is, without a doubt, the worst of all evils. And the only thing I think maybe worse than war is whatever the hell we've been doing for the last 20 years. Yeah. And war longer. Undeclared war is even worse. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, uh, I run Don't Tread on Philly. Uh, we were founded uh, fighting against mandates, and we've had some more bullshit come up here in philly and i have uh, yeah, the school board the, the school board met today i don't know the results of things i i've been crazy busy today i wanted to go down to the school board meeting just couldn't make it happen uh but they were saying that for the first 10 days of school everyone had to be masked and then they're saying that uh preschoolers everybody in the pre-k schools that uh, are supposedly be fun being funded by the soda tax uh, that's stealing money from the poor. Uh, we won't get into that, but preschoolers have to be masked basically permanently, uh, you know, until 2023 or whenever they decide to lift this edict. That is that is child abuse, that plain and simple child abuse. I mean, honestly, think back three, maybe four years ago, if you came out and said, you know, I think every child under the age of five should be wearing a mask 24 hours a day. They would throw you in the loony bin. You know, and yeah. now it's like, oh, well, that's just that's just follow the science. We must do that because the Reverend St. Fauci said that we must do that. Um, it's child abuse, man. I mean, those those kids at that age, like that is that is when they are developing facial recognition and they're learning what a smile is, what a frown is, what you know, the changes and furrows in someone's brow, what that means. As far yeah. as, you know, this person's angry, that person's happy. This is mom, that's dad, this is my friend, you know, and they're being robbed of all that. So what what they're doing is they're essentially trying to create, and I think, and this could be the Alex Jones in me, they're trying to create inhuman automatons that just, <laughs> they, they just, they come out, they do what they're told, and then they go back to their caves. I, I mean, what... 
we're just we're, honestly we're just a few tumbler clicks away from picking the lock and walking into soylent green here <laughs> yeah no i don't i mean i don't again yeah you it sounds like alex jones but you know there's there's the you know memes about alex jones being right on a long enough time frame i mean obviously the guys had some really kooky way you know way far out there completely wrong ideas but in terms of what the the ruling elites are trying to do it, it he's not wrong right. and it's it is inhuman it, it takes away humanity. it is it, it's you know and it, it feels it feels weird it feels dirty to even say those words but i mean you, you, you look at the facts at what they're doing and i try to put myself in the space of you know if i had heard that five years ago ten years ago what would I have thought? And 90% of what they're telling us now, I would have thought you were absolutely batshit crazy. You know, like, oh, there's a virus and it might make you a little bit sick or it might not, or you might not be able to smell for a few days. Um, so we're going to close down the entire economy for it. It's like, yeah, I get it. There's, you know, there's cases that have, have been really bad of this. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. I'm saying that the fear of it is far worse than the actual symptoms. I mean, I've had it and it sucked. I got terrible headaches. Um, couldn't work for like three or four days. It, it really, it sucked. I've had flus that were worse. Yeah. You know, um, and my wife and my two kids, we all got it the same week. Um, two of us got the, the symptoms I had, the headaches and, and the coughing and, you know, and, and, and kind of the flu like symptoms. Uh, my wife and my youngest son, they, uh, they were a little stuffy for a few hours. You know, so and we're all in the same house. So obviously what one had, we all had. And it just, yeah. they they had literally zero symptoms. Yeah. You know, but they had to quarantine for four days because of it, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it's disgusting. It's, it's, it's anti-human. Um, it's, you know, I, I was out protesting stuff. I got spit on. I got told to go kill myself. I mean, oh. I've been. I've been told endlessly that I'm killing people and I'm a mass murderer. And why is that the case? I'll tell you why that's the case. It's because people like CNN's Leanna Wen come out and say the unvaccinated should not be allowed to leave their homes. I saw that. And then guess what? She tweeted a couple of days ago. Yeah. Everyone should choose the level of precaution appropriate to their family situation without judgment. I am concerned about those who advocate for broad restrictions for all publicly but don't live those values in their personal lives. That hurts trust in public health. I think the one thing that pisses me off more than the mandates themselves is the fact that they're trying to gaslight us now. Yeah. And, and honestly, the first thing that she said there, like that, that is something that I said during my Senate campaign last year when I, when I ran for state Senate, I was like, I think everybody should determine their own, their own precautions, be they a business, a family or a person, you know, like that was my big thing. You know, it was like we should end all this mandate shit and just let the public, you know, uh, private businesses can decide what they're going to do. You know, if, if you have a, a, a child or someone in your house that's especially susceptible or immunocompromised, you know that already. And, and you are you are able to take those precautions. But we don't need to shut down the entire world for that. Yeah, I want to I want to read out this uh, this comment for my listeners that won't be uh, watching. Um, Joe Bissell, the great uh, LP chair of Bucks County, uh, said, my child with special needs went to speech therapy with a mask on and the teacher 
who was trying to teach her how to pronunciate evil evil yes <laughs> perfectly well said joe yeah it's it's disgusting so i i feel kind of uh I, I, I just want to, I want to make this clear and let you let you clear the air here. So if you and Matt get into office, uh, will you support any sort of uh, lockdowns or government mandates? <laughs> uh, you got me. You got me. You're trying all night to get me to break. You got me. Absolutely, absolutely not. The only thing that we're going to mandate is that there's no damn mandates. Amen. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe we will mandate that everybody that gets paid a full-time salary works full-time hours in the legislature, maybe, because um, I'll probably get a lot of them to quit, quite honestly. <laughs> yeah. But that, that would be it. The only mandates that would come out of a, a Hackenberg-McMaster administration were going to be mandates on the legislature and what they can't do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... <sighs> There should be far more restrictions. And I think this is what, I mean, again, you, I'm mostly an anarchist, uh, so I, I don't really, the U.S. Constitution is the best governing go document that's ever been written. I still think it's, you know, hardly worth the paper it's been written on, but it was, uh, you know, it was an attempt to li limit government. So if there are yeah. mandates, if there are restrictions, it needs to be you know on government yeah it needs to be all on government so we're coming up we got about uh 10 minutes before the hour and we're gonna try to keep this under an hour um, God, that went fast. <laughs> yeah yeah uh what other uh what other campaign campaign points uh would you like to point out um i i don't know i mean i'm pretty much an open book i was hoping to be some more questions some some hard-hitting <laughs> stuff here um you know what are your what are your views on uh abortion um i don't have a vagina so i don't really have a view specifically i just don't think the government should be involved in it period yeah, yeah I, think, I think an abortion is is one of those things like it's like being gay or lakers tickets um I, it's not for me but i don't want the government telling you or anyone else they can't have it yeah, I mean, I think I, I mean, I grew up very religiously conservative, and so I have a, I have a very strong soft spot for the pro-life movement, um, and I, I agree with the sentiment that, um, at the end of the day, like, I think there probably should be fewer abortions because I value yeah, I, life. I absolutely believe that, like, and I, I say that because I'm married to an adoptee. Yeah. So I'm very thankful that my wife was not aborted. I'm very thankful that she was adopted. What I Ideally, what I'd like to see would be a lot more emphasis um, if the government has to spend money on this sort of thing or if a place like Planned Parenthood has to spend money on this sort of thing is to focus more on alternatives to abortion. You know, adoption is chief among them. You know, I mean, there are literally thousands of families out there who who can't have children, who want to have children or who want to have more children but they're unable to you know and, and we need to we need to start looking into adoption as a viable option and start removing this stigma of adopting children you know i see it too often people are like well i want a kid but i don't want to adopt it's like what the hell's wrong with you like I, that that is a kid that needs love that will love you unconditionally you will be their parent they will be your child you know so that's that's sort of where i come down on it like i'm you know i hate to spout that because i know this will this will probably start a firestorm but i am 
personally pro-life but politically pro-choice yeah and i i, I mean that's government has a say in it i think it's sad that that uh sparks a firestorm because it's again you know me being an anarchist myself i i don't know how to reconcile the fact that i i am pro-life with um with abortion because okay so if government is necessary if, if there must be a government then i want it protecting natural rights and I, I i do believe that the unborn have natural rights right the problem that that i have like where i kind of draw the line is at what point and i think spike cohen actually just did a, a video on something like this the other day or two nights ago um at what point does personhood begin yeah you know like i i, I love my goats out in the backyard they're not people yeah but they have a right to be alive so long as they're alive yeah and i think i i think the i think maybe one of the things that i mean you could probably tie this back to sort of the drugs and the uh the sex work where <clears throat> i mean i think our goal should be fewer abortions making sure more babies that are conceived uh see life and get that right to life and i don't um I don't know that banning that necessarily fixes the problem because it, there's it going to be a there go, there's going to be a yeah murder is banned you know uh, schedule one narcotics presently are banned you know coming across the border illegally the arbitrary line drawn in the border illegally is banned it still happens yeah what we need to do is we need to find a way to reduce the numbers and also humanely treat the people who are doing it yeah. you know like i think if if you're in a position where you think you need to have an abortion you need to have resources available to you that can either say yes we're going to support you in this decision or we understand how hard this decision is here's options yeah um prior to that we need to have some education on that as well i'm absolutely not 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 promoting abstinence only education because i think that's just that is just the pendulum swinging the whole other way. Um, so I think we need to start promoting, you know, like, hey, if you have sex, here is a possibility of something that could happen. Um, here are ways that you can prevent that. You know, here are the options that you have. You have your your, your creams, you have your prophylactics, you have your um, what do they have now? The, the things they inject under the skin now. Like, I don't even know. Like, I've been married so long. Like, it just it just used to be the pill, you know, it was the pill or a condom, you know, and now they have so many other things. Um, to prevent that unwanted pregnancy. But I think it, it boils down to education as well. You know, you need to educate, you know, these young adults and say like, hey, if you're not truly ready to have a child with someone, maybe you shouldn't be having sex with them. Yeah. Or maybe you should be thinking it through a little more and saying, hey, we can take preventative action. Sorry, my wife just came in through the back door. Yeah. So that's what you hear. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, and, and you know, again, yeah, it's like I again. I want to strongly, you know, for my conservative viewers. I know I have a lot of them. I want to want to strongly reiterate. I, I'm pro life. I, I don't want to see any abortions. The issue is the way you get to a point where there are no or minimal abortions is through a change in culture. And right. government is never no, no, an no, appropriate no. avenue for a change in culture. No, government can never legislate morality. No. Um, 
I guess, uh, you know, one last question here before we start wrapping up. Uh, I know a lot of people will wonder, what do you think about uh, election integrity? Um, so right now I'm torn on it. Like I, we need to have the integrity of our elections protected. I don't think the passage of Act 77 was necessarily the way to do that. Um, I like some of the things that were in it. I dislike some of the things that were in it. Um, I'm not opposed to needing to present an ID to vote. Um, I have to present an ID when I buy a pack of cigarettes and I've got more gray hairs, you know, than I have black hairs anymore, <laughs> you know? So it's not, it's not that hard to get an ID and the state will give you one for free if you ask them. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think that's definitely something that, that could be implemented relatively simply. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of the the early voting or the the sending a mail in ballot to everybody it, that that was in the Ag 77. Um, more more of a traditionalist in the way that I think about that, and I think like, well, if voting really matters to you, you will find a way to get there on election day. Yeah. And if you're not able to, there are you know there are resources for that. You know, if you're in the military, obviously there's you know there's the absentee ballot you could file for an absentee ballot, you could probably get a family member or somebody to pick you up and take you to the the ballot or to the, uh, to the polls rather. Um, I just, I don't think universal mail in ballot mail in balloting is, is the way there's just too many, there's too many opportunities for even inadvertent fraud, inadvertent abuse of it, let alone, you know, nefarious actors as we may or may not have seen in the last election. Yeah. yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, every election is, is full of, I think, nefarious actors. And, and it's just like the, the complaints you get about it depend on who's running the media and who, who thinks right. the media. Yeah. Who, who know, the media I, thinks I remember about. in, what was it? 20. Yeah, it was 20. It was 2016. There was, there was um, so much voter fraud. That's how Trump got elected. It was all yep. this voter fraud and and this and, that. and then suddenly in 2020, Russia. most safe, most safe and secure election ever. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, no, nothing moves as slow as the speed of government. There's no way they went from it's all corrupt to it's totally perfectly fine in four years. Like not even in a Stephen Crichton novel will you see yeah. that. And if you, it's just, just check the court dockets here in Philadelphia. I mean, there's yeah. trials and shit going on about uh, election fraud all the time so it well, here, in, here in new york county there was a couple uh there was a couple places that actually ran out of ballots yeah. like they ran out of paper ballots in york county and i'm like it was and i think it was on it was on primary day this year and i'm thinking like <laughs> excuse me you know how many voters there are because it's the republican primary you yeah. know how many there are why don't you just have that many ballots but yeah it's, it's all, you know but it's 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 all ludicrous, and at this point, I, at this point, having any kind of confidence or faith in the actual process of the elections is is a stretch. Um, it's a yeah. lot easier to believe pro wrestling is real. <laughs> I mean, I view politics as pro wrestling. So you know, a lot of <laughs> in a lot of ways, it really is the the good guys and the bad guys, Democrats, <laughs> Republicans. They they hate each other in front of the camera. But you get to the back, and they're all best friends. It's all manufactured. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, I've I've had uh, I've had it up for the viewers, but for for the listeners without video, uh, where can they uh, find you and follow you? Oh, lots of places. Uh, so the main website is Tim Four. That's the number four, like the four horsemen. Pa Tim Four Pa dot com. Um, on the Twitter, 
at Tim Four PA, also with a four. Uh, I'm on the Facebook. I believe that's uh, McMaster LT Governor 2022. Um, I think those are the only ones I have. Yeah, those are the only ones I have. Uh, tomorrow night I will be in Kittanning, Kittanning, Pennsylvania, at the Kittanning Boat Races, the River Bration. Uh, I believe that's in uh, Armstrong County. Yeah, Armstrong County. Um, so out, out, out in Pittsburgh, out the opposite side of the state as, as where you are. And basically for me, too, it's a four-hour drive. Uh, I'm going to be there Friday night and part of Saturday. Then I'm going to be driving back. We're doing a uh, Meet the Candidates event with Matt at the church in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's actually not a church. It's owned by Scott Church. There's, there's going to be metal bands playing downstairs, so I'm pretty excited nice. about that as well. Um, no admission to get into that. Matt and I will be there two to three hours. Shaking babies and kissing hands, you know, whatever it takes. <laughs> there might be some drop kicks thrown in. Who knows, man? It could get wild. Um, then we might be going down to the mosh pit afterwards. Um, those are the two big events that we have uh, coming up this week. Uh, I'm not sure what we have coming up next weekend. Um, there's so much that just pops up. Then I have a staff that keeps me abreast of situations. Yeah. Cool. Uh, any final? Keep everything updated on timforpa.com. Nice. Any uh, final thoughts that you want to get across? Um, we got to, you know, we got to straight up just McHack the state. McHack. Yeah, yeah. you like that? Yeah. McHack, McHack with Hackenberg. McMaster Hackenberg, Hackenberg yeah. McMaster. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're uh, we're trying to get the uh, make Pennsylvania free again. Hashtag trending on the Twitters. So anything that you post uh, referencing myself or Eric. Oh, God, I totally forgot. Eric Gerhardt, who you mentioned you're going to have on next week. He's going to be with me at the boat races. Tomorrow yep. and Saturday. So come nice. out and meet me and Eric out there. Well, I really appreciate you having you on. It was a fun conversation. Really enjoyed. Well, thanks for uh, having me, man. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed uh, the show last week. Congratulations. I'm I'm looking forward to whether I'm lieutenant governor or not, coming out and helping you out in the, the mayoral race. Cool. Thank you so Good much. And yeah, for all my listeners, uh, thanks for taking the time to listen to Tim and getting to meet uh, meet him and what he's got going on. And yeah. Uh, hang out with us next week. Eric Gerhardt for U.S. Senate will be on Monday night at 8. Brittany Kosin for uh, PA Legislator at 8 on Thursday. And as always, don't tread on Philly. Happy hours most Wednesdays at Bodega in Center City. Um, LP Philly meeting third Tuesday of every month at Ryan's Pub in Maniunk. And then finally, Liberty on the Rocks. Second Tuesday of the month at Ryan's Pub in Maniunk and fourth Tuesday of the month at Adobe Cafe in South Philly. Thank you so much. Uh, stay safe. Be, uh, you know, be strong, be courageous and be sovereign. Peace out. Big hack the state. <laughs>